I am Inga Larissa. And I am Jennifer Rose. We're two whiskey pals serving a weekly whiskey podcast and rocking your whiskey world. Exploring the whiskies and distilleries of the world and meeting amazing people along the way. We'll be sticking our noses into our jams and all things whiskey. So fill your whiskey glass and join the fun. You're listening to Whiskey Sisters, the podcast. Well, hello and welcome to episode 63, which would have been episode 64 had we not been thwarted by the recording demons. Yeah, we're not very um, technical people, so these new changes with our recording program wasn't very useful. No, it wasn't useful, Inca. So we merrily chatted and sipped as we normally would, and when Inca went to edit, nothing was there. The cupboards were bare. (laughs) I know. Ah, oh, it's kind of funny. Kind of sums us up, I guess. But we will feature Tommy Till another time, probably maybe next week. We'll see. But today, yeah, today we are talking about new distilleries and especially focusing on Rasi and Dorawik. Yes, yeah, so to our regular listeners that were crying into their pillows because we weren't there last week, we apologise deeply and sincerely. We will try and make amends. And if you're new to the podcast, you won't care that we weren't here last week. If you're new, we always stick our nose in the whiskey news and that's what's up next. Stick your nose in it. More than 2 million people have visited Scotch Whiskey Visitor Centres in 2022, figures by the Scotch Whiskey Association have revealed. This number nearly matched that of pre-pandemic levels. The spend per head at visitor centres increased by 8.65%, with more than £85 million, that's US$104 dollars spent in total at sites across Scotland's five whiskey regions. That's a 90% rise since 2010. UK visitors accounted for more than half. Do you know, I'm not sure how they know that, you know, whether they ask people that come in or whatever. But anyway, UK visitors apparently accounted for more than half, 51% of all visitors, with other key demographics, including the US, Germany, the Netherlands and France. More than 1,100 people are employed at Scotch Whiskey Visitor Centres across the nation, many of which are based in rural areas. An investment in whiskey tourism has totaled more than £300 million, that's 367 million US dollars in the past decade so big sums of cash I don't know if they ask they don't always ask at the time of the booking do they where you're from but maybe they make a note when do you think they look at people and go they look they look English they look German (laughs) check out their shoes they're Italian do you think so (laughs) that's kind of funny a little bit racist maybe (laughs) (laughs) Italians have got good shoes though right yeah, oh my god. The Glenmorangie Company has released a new whiskey partly matured in Mizunara oak casks and inspired by Japan's capital city. A Tale of Tokyo whiskey was conceptualized by Glenmorangie's director of whiskey creation, Dr. Bill Lamston, who we haven't mentioned for a long time, if anyone's mm-hmm. noticed. We're still upset that he never got back to us. <laughs> I'm pretty gutted now. I know. (laughs) So he has traveled extensively through Japan and long held a fascination with the country. He used rare Japanese Mizunara oak casks, which have a reputation for being difficult to acquire as well as challenging to work with. But obviously, Dr. Bill can handle the barrels. He can handle anything. Edinburgh-based Port of Leith has opened its new 12 million distillery, 
which can produce 1 million bottles of single malt whiskey per year. The site claims to be the UK's first vertical whiskey distillery and it hopes to welcome 25,000 visitors in its first year, increasing to 160,000 by the year 2025, which would make it the biggest tourist attraction to be built in Leith for decades. A lot of people might not have been to Leith, an area, a dockland area of Edinburgh, but might have heard the song by the Proclaimers. Wales, the chief, it's the sunshine on Leith. That's that place. Yeah, and they have, of course, small whiskey society vaults. You know, the main yeah. member of room is in Leith. For sure. So it's like quite the happening whiskey place. And the tour lasts 90 minutes and visitors can expect a guided walk through the story behind the distillery, fill their own miniature bottle of new make spirit, which is quite exciting, I imagine, and enjoy samples from the distillery's production process in the Port of Leith's Quality Control Tasting Laboratory. And it will only cost you 26 British pounds. The distillery also boasts a top floor mezzanine bar fitted with 360 degree views of the area, a floor to ceiling, back whiskey bar and a menu of small plates that showcase local ingredients. And we saw some of our whiskey friends at the opening on social media posts a couple of weeks back, didn't we, Anka? Yes, and had a massive FOMO. And I was also wondering whether I would get heebie-jeebies because you can be upstairs and then you can see the floor is kind of, you know, full of those little holes so you can see down below. So I think I would get spaghetti legs. Mm, Spaghetti legs, exhilaration slash like just pure fear. Like, oh, am I going to pee myself? (laughs) Fall in the mat. Uh, Exactly. So the new distillery aims to create up to 50 long-term local jobs, so hopefully they'll not have the heebie-jeebie spaghetti legs and pee themselves at their work. (laughs) Well, talking about Edinburgh-based distilleries, Holyrood Distillery just released its first ever single malt scotch whiskey, Arrival, but they have also ruled out plans to launch a core range. Mm. So they were founded in July 2019. And Holyrood Distillery is located in the heart of Edinburgh's Old Town, so it's right in there. And the whiskey release was matured in Oloroso Sherry Butts, PX Hogsheads, Bourbon Barrels and Rum Barracks, so quite a mix. And the aromas apparently offer tropical fruits, raisins, hint of butterscotch, freshly baked cake, sticky toffee pudding, soft leather and biscuits. That sounds juicy. Yeah, even that like soft leather just gives yeah. me the vibe. And the palette is said to bring flavors of toffee, caramel, vanilla, digestive biscuits, ginger spice, butterscots and raisins. And followed with sweet spice, apple pie and some red fruits. Those tasting notes are definitely wetting my whistle. They sound delicious. And yeah. it's a shame, isn't it, that we couldn't coordinate a visit there when we were both in Edinburgh last year speaking with Vic Galloway and doing some other whiskey business because we did try to coordinate that, didn't we? I need a whole day again in Edinburgh at some point because there's just so much going on. I'm not sure how I feel about the arrival. And like, have you seen the label? And it just says big letters, says arrival. It just gives me airport vibes. Oh, (laughs) good point. It's just kind of odd. Like it's not very appealing. Yeah, I guess it's kind of maybe modern and a bit different although I quite like the mystical whimsical or like traditionally names myself 
Yeah. Well, they say that each future release will evolve with this recipe by using specialty malts alongside a range of yeasts not typically used within Scotch whiskey production. Interesting. Mm. And they are working with Harriet Latt University, which is based in Edinburgh, to find out whether old species of barley could produce new whiskies. Cool. Whiskey Sisters, the podcast. So new distilleries are popping up while old ones are reopening and modernizing. Until Kilhoman was founded in 2005, only two malt distilleries had been opened in Scotland like in the last 15 years. Mm. Yeah, I actually, I got this new malt whiskey yearbook and I'm getting this information from there, by the way. Good yearbook. book for some whiskey <laughs> intel. Okay, is it got like pictures of people like a school yearbook saying most likely <laughs> to be like in prison? Oh my God, that would be so cool if they would actually have pictures of the distillers and stuff like, you know, yeah. annual <laughs> and like slip chain stuff or the new ones and like, yeah, most that would sociable, be cool. Most sociable distiller. Yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing. So since 2005, no less than 44 new distilleries have been built. So it doesn't mean necessarily they're all in um, production yet, mm -hmm. obviously. Yeah. And there's quite a few that are now being built at the moment as we speak. But anyway, that's a lot, big number. And at the moment, since September, there's 147 distilleries in Scotland. These are, of course, the figure is from September. I don't actually know if Port of Fleet counts on that. So it could be oh, 148. Oh, yeah, good point. And during the whiskey log of... 1983 overproduction led to an excess of single malt and dozens of distilleries were mothballed. Like, should we be worried about overproduction again? This is obviously a dangerous territory because of high production levels and energy prices. So things can go wrong very quickly. And obviously it's expensive to start a distillery. So it's a quite a rocky road. What do you think personally, do you think with the interest in, you know, countries such as Japan and you know, Korea, do you think that this would ever happen anymore? Do you think with the exporting that we could do of Scotch whiskey, it's always going to be fine? Well, I don't know. Like I saw actually somewhere that in Japan, they now have 122 distilleries. So like everywhere is growing and the whiskey is like, it's a big yeah. thing. Obviously, Scotch whiskey is very special and very still kind of niche. It's mm -hmm. It just has such a long history and I don't. I think people will always be drinking it, but I am a little bit worried that with all these new distilleries, if they start kind of changing regulations and rules and making things mm. more flexible, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just it might. It's like the gin boom at, at the time a few years ago, sure, sure. when all of a sudden there's like everyone forgot that like you're supposed to use juniper and gin, and they became really sweet and syrupy and horrible. Yeah. And and then everyone's kind of like, let's drink something else because gin is kind of boring. Yes. So they, there's obviously always the danger of that, that there's just too much or too much of the same even, you know? Mm -hmm. Too much of a good thing or too much of the same. Yeah, but I guess, you know, even if it would kind of slow down a little bit, there's still always going to be those casks maturing. So mm -hmm. when the boom happens again, there's always going to be enough whiskey. If there's another whiskey loch, I'm going to swim in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come with you. I'll bring the boat. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess everyone's just riding the wave of popularity at the moment. There are so many distilleries that don't even sound that familiar to me, like Inch Darney, which is built on a greenfield site in Glenrothes Fife, with the focus um, 
on exploring raw materials and fermentation, and some people call it futuristic. They say, we respect the traditions, but we will not be held back by them. That's a managing director, Ian Palmer, who's worked in the industry for four decades with a modern distillery with no heritage. That gives us huge freedom. So powerful words from him. So maybe that's the beauty of a new distillery. Of course, many regulations still within the industry, but starting fresh allows that creative um, freedom, allows these distilleries to choose which way they go um, and how much room there is to kind of bend and test the rules. You mentioned that there's, you know, distilleries that you don't even recognize the name. So Eight Doors Distillery, like Eight Doors, I've never even heard of it, right? And mm. it's founded in 2022. So obviously there's no whiskey. It's in the Highlands. Aberarji, Aberarje, I don't know how to say it. That's founded in 2017 in Lowlands. We mentioned Arbiki before. There's Annandale from 2014. Adnaho, Adnamaken, obviously, which we quite mm-hmm. like. Or you've got Brewdog, which... I'm not going to share my opinions right now. Uh, this is really called Bonington. Oh, I hear controversy in the post. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm just like, oh, I don't know. They do. They get really good reviews on their gins and stuff. But I'm just thinking there's so many problems within that company that I just don't really like to support them too much. Listen to that steely knife cutting through the air with Inca's finished chat. Yeah, so distillery called Bonnington, which is kind of a weird name for a distillery, right? Mm-hmm. Then we got Brora, Clydeside, Cairn, Duff Mill, Eden Mill, Dunfell. Dunfell, I think we mentioned before, that is the one that is the guys from Bimber down in England are actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. That one. So I'm quite interested in that. And obviously, Glasgow Distillery, Harris, Louis, yeah, Isle of Rasi, Holyrood, Jackton. Jackton? Have you heard that? Jackton, I think, is a place near East Kilbride where the Police Training Academy is. Oh, in Lowlands? Well, East Kilbride's near Glasgow, so that would come under Lowlands, wouldn't it? But yeah. like, I don't know if that if Jackton Distillery is in Jackton. Yes, and then we mentioned King's Barnes before, obviously Lag, Lindor's Abbey and Loch Lee, for example, mm-hmm. Port Ellen, Nick Neen, Port of Leed, Rosebank, Doravig. I know. Ooh, if you're coming to Scotland and wanting to visit all the distilleries, you'd be super busy, wouldn't you? You'd need to get a sabbatical from your work for like a year. And Yeah. But the thing is, though, truthfully, how much young whiskey do you actually drink? Mm. When you're in a whiskey bar, do you reach for that, you know, 10, 12 plus? Or will you just go like, okay, that's the new four-year-old. I want to try it. And I think for me personally, if that's not a rhetorical question, certain distilleries that totally light my fire, like Glasgow Distillery and Ardnamurkin, I am reaching for them. But the random ones, I'm like, I've not heard of them or had any experience. No. I know, exactly. And like, there is some, like I found with, like for example, with Lockley, that we tried the one, the fall, I think it was the Fallow edition. It was just too new makey. But then mm-hmm. it's funny how there is actually a lot of difference between these newer distilleries that some of they just have a lot of flavor and comp- complexity complexity mm-hmm. straight away. And then others maybe could just use a little bit more time in the cask. And does that bring us back to that question that we asked in a previous episode? Does new make matter? 
So, like I said, many of these new distilleries don't have a product yet. So a lot can happen and there's obviously always risks and all sorts. So let's focus on two reasonably new distilleries that we can actually sample today. Yes, please. Whiskey Sisters! You all obviously know my thoughts about Rasi. Mm-hmm. The wonderful Isle of Rasi, which lies off the west coast of Scotland in the Inner Hebrides. And it's separated from the Isle of Skye by only a short 25-minute ferry journey. And you can literally walk from the ferry terminal straight to the distillery, which is awesome. Every little detail, I think, in my opinion, is very well thought out when it comes to distillery from the bottle design to the casks to the socio-economic impact on the community in 2013 co-founders bill dobby and alice Day formed r&b distillers the vision of building a locally run distillery they heard about the 19th century building that was on sale on isle of rasi that needed some serious work the location was unique and they thought it could make a really great spot for a distillery. So planning permission was finally granted in 2016 and they renovated this old Prodale house into a small hotel, which I've stayed and it's amazing, uh, with additional building for the distillery and visitor centre. And they have some of the best views literally in whole of Scotland from there. It's magical. Tell us more about the hotel. I've not heard enough of detail. What can well, we expect if we go to the hotel? Small cozy rooms, but like we had the room with that kind of church windows literally overlooking the Isle of Skye. And it was midsummer. It was my birthday. So it was, you know, daylight for quite long and then like nice purple skies. And oh, it's just so nice. Oh, and it was super nice. cozy, like all the decor and everything. And I was in my fluffy bathrobe in a um, rocking chair in the room sipping whiskey. <laughs> so nice. I was in heaven. It was beautiful. Really, really, really nice. And did and they do food <clears throat> and stuff there? Yeah, so at the time, they it was all quite new. I think now they like fully opened the restaurant and they have a proper bar and stuff. Like at the time when I was there, they only had like an honesty bar type of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think it's all done properly now. So I'm definitely going to go back at some point when I can try my own whiskey. So yeah. Part of the distiller's vision was always to produce mature bottle and market everything directly from the island. And this has helped in creating job opportunities and bringing more trade to other local businesses. The distillery has helped locals who may have had to leave the island for jobs. Now they could return and work actually in their hometown. Beautiful. Yeah. And what I also noticed during my visit was that a lot of the staff were quite young, which obviously must create a bit more dynamic like atmosphere for the island's everyday life, really. And young people you know, don't want to be generalizing, but often they'll get together with other young people, having the babies and the likes, continuing the growth on the island. This is all a good thing. Yes, definitely. I think it's great. And I I think it's great that then also they attracting these young people to come back and live on an island like that. You know, we're not all want to live in big cities. For sure. That was a massive problem when I was growing up in Mull. Don't know if it still is to the same degree, but unless you were going into certain industries like fishing or, you know, farming, there was really limited choice um, in terms of employment. So a lot of people that maybe would have wanted to stay kind of were forced off. When it comes to their whiskey, it is as well planned as the rest of the project, with the inspiration coming from the older styles of Hebridean single malts, styles that had been lost over the centuries. The Isle of Rassi's signature flavour is lightly peated whiskey with noticeable notes of rich dark fruits. 
There is still both peated and non-peated whiskies, which are matured separately in three types of casks. First fill rye whiskey, virgin chincapin oak and first fill Bordeaux red wine. After maturation, spirits from these six casks are blended together to create the signature Isle of Rassi single malt whiskey, which is bottled at 46.4% ABV. The water comes from their very own whale, Tobar Nababain, the whale of the pale cow, not sure I'm saying that very well, which flows across the volcanic rock and filters through Jurassic sandstone before reaching the distillery. The same water is used for fermentation, distilling and bottling. I really like the name of their whale, whale of the pale cow. There's this really lovely Gaelic song I love that's all about, it sounds like this beautiful haunting love song. And I went to this Celtic Connections gig years ago and saw this female this young female singer singing the song and I started crying it was like totally opening my heart and I was like oh my god that song what's it about and it was about a cow that's what it was about <laughs> no. oh. it, it's a beautiful song that's what it's about I love cows anyway but anyway I digress but I like <laughs> the name I know I love the vision of you crying over a song about cows yeah i'll send you a link to it and you can listen and probably not cry let's let's face it but it's a beautiful song if any of our listeners want to hear it reach out and i'll send you the link so the tin cabin oak is pretty amazing actually it has kind of sweet nose and i had a chance to sample the whiskey straight from the cask when i was at the distillery Ooh. obviously the spirit was still quite young and so on but um you could really taste the black cherries and red currants already the casks have high char and high toast levels, which brings sweetness and smokiness to the spirit and contributes the darker color. And the ex casks are made using two different varieties of French oak. And these styles will add savory, spicy notes into the spirit. And high quality red wine will also bring more of those desired dark fruit flavors, such as blackberries, plums and cherries. And finally, there's the X-Ray casks, which are from Woodford Reserve. Yum. Yeah, and they contribute to spicier black pepper notes and sweet butterscotch. Mm. The bottle design is beautiful and plenty of thought has gone into it. And the idea was to capture the island's natural beauty in the design. They used fossils and rocks from the island to mould the print in the glass, a complete showstopper. Yeah, I like that they also used this similar idea for the gin bottles now as well. So they are very cohesive. So anyway, some people were saying that they are kind of trying to cut corners by using a six cask blend to reach the complexity of an older, more refined rum. But, you know, I'm just saying, I don't think there's anything wrong of thinking about, like thinking outside of the box and trying something new. If the young whiskey is, you know, this cute, how good will the 10-year-old be, you know? And is there a little bit of green-eyed monster and they're a bit jealous that they've thought if it is providing the complexity of an older, more refined dram, then kudos to them. More about Rasi in a minute when we go tram on fire. The distillery at Toraveg is the second ever licensed single malt Scotch whiskey distillery on the Isle of Skye. The Excise Act of 1823 first sanctioned legal whiskey distilling in Scotland almost 200 years ago, with the first license on Skye being granted not long thereafter. And Sir Ian Noble, that was the man who founded Noble Grossart, Scotland's first modern merchant bank, moved to the Isle of Skye in 1972, where he purchased 20,000 acres of land, including a hotel at Isle Ornsey, which has been part of Lord 
McDonald's estate. Noble have founded independent blender and bottle Gallic whiskies in 1976, planned to convert a 19th century listed farmsteading at Torraveg into a distillery. He obtained planning permission for the project as early as 2002, although it sadly passed away, God rest his soul, in 2010 before his plans could be realised. Around the time of his death, Mossburn Distillers, a subsidiary of Dutch drinks group Marussa Beverages, was also seeking a site on the island to build its own distillery. Oh, I think it's nice that they took over and finished the job. So yeah, and then took advantage of the guy dying. Well done. <laughs> wow, it's still nice. Like he had a good idea, and it's such a nice location. Like I was trying to get in, but they were closed on that Sunday. But it looks beautiful they have all the factors needed to make good robust island whiskey so for example there are two burns with the purest island spring water and actually the whiskey that we're trying today is named after one of these burns 200 years or so ago the stone that forms this building was hauled up from the ruined castle in the bay by horse and cart the 19th century building has now been fully restored and it holds the gorgeous copper stills and traditional wooden wash bags and they have even even built a roof that can be removed so that in time the pot stills can be replaced without disturbing the old building again. Oh, that's nice. So they, yeah, and they're obviously expecting to up the scale of the production at some point. After a painstaking four-year restoration and build, Dorvik has been fully operational single malt whiskey distillery since January 2017. And now, like you said, it's the second ever on Isle of Skye. Dram on Fire. This Rathi was released as a celebration when they won the Tourism Destination of the Year. Congratulations, Rathi. Well done. Yes, I can totally see why they won and it's all well deserved. So this is matured in X manzanilla sherry casks, which are 250 litres and bottled at 52% ABV. And you could only get this, I think, from the distillery or through a ballot on their website. So I entered the ballot and got a bottle, which I just realised that it's release number one. How cool. (gasps) That's very cool. Congratulations. I feel you have some sort of spiritual connection with Rassi and you were blessed by the whiskey gods in the ballot. Yes. Well, obviously, I had to pay for it. <laughs> it wasn't like a freebie or anything. but <laughs> No, but you were allowed to part yeah. with your own pennies for it. It might help that I have two casks. So. <laughs> Do you think do you think that sweeze it? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's not supposed to, but large ticket for the for the cask holders into the ballot box, please. Let's just start with the colour. So I would say it's kind of sunset goldeny. Yeah, sunny yellow I've got. Yeah. Sure. So what are you getting on the nose? I got quite a lot on the nose. Tiramisu dessert and even like the chocolate kind of sprinkliness on that. A creamy coffee coffee with milk at first i got privet hedge you know those green hedges with the small leaves that are in a lot of gardens in the uk i got a fresh waft of privet hedge sherry soaked juicy raisins rum and raisin ice cream and then when i went back to it later it's a bit more savory but on the same token i kind of got a buttery pastry but you know a buttery pastry you'd maybe get in a quiche or something a bit savory as well oh yeah yeah 
Yeah, it's funny. I, it does kind of deliver a lot. I was at first getting subtle smoke, kind of mm-hmm. mushroom earthiness. Mm-hmm. Then I wrote fireplace on Christmas Eve. Oh, cute. Because, <laughs> you know, like I was getting pine needles at the same time as like fireplace. And I was about mm. to think, like, get that kind of Christmassy smell, but with the smoky fireplace. There was also something tropical on the background, like maybe mango or something. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Something sweeter. Then I was getting kind of like Indian food, but I couldn't really say which one, but like those kind of spices and something okay. in there. And now when I'm returning to it, like as soon as you said that tiramisu, it's, it's such a good shout because it's almost. It's even that creaminess of the mascarpone and tiramisu. Yeah. Really nice. Um, I think there's some cinnamon in there and maybe even buttery popcorn or something. Yeah, I really like your Christmas kind of greenery notes and it makes me wonder if that's why I've got privet hedge because I used to, as a little kid, pick the dark green leaves off the hedge as I was like walking by and like break them in my fingers and the kind of greenery smell a bit like ivy. Yeah, how about on the palette then? Oh, grown up. It's grown up on the palate. Whew. You know me, Inca. I sometimes can have a wee bit of a less refined palate than you. I found it quite spicy at first, white pepper spice. Then I did find a softness, maybe like a sponge cake batter. But then the smokiness came through in the palate for me and I'm like, I'm getting mild smoked kippers and maybe some beef crisps. Oh, beef crisps. Good shout. That's mm. a good one. What about you? Yeah, I agree. It was really spicy, like spicy chili flakes. Mm. Hit you in the face, kind of. Yeah. Still with air, mine is still spicy. Yeah, I think mine is still spicy, but it's definitely sweeter now with long time in the glass. But on the initial sip, I was getting the chili flakes and then kind of something citrusy and honey. And I was thinking, you know, some kind of wintry drinks that you make with citrus. Oh, like actually, I used to have this like, I think on like Cosmopolitan or some one of these like girly mags. Yeah. They had this some sort of like recipe of some drink that you used to drink every morning and it had citrus and honey and I can't remember what else it was. But it, that, it was giving me that. <laughs> Did it have raw ginger in it? Maybe. Could be, yeah. It, was, it had a few things and it was kind of disgusting. It was kind of nice, but it wasn't, I don't think it was very... I don't really see what the point was, but it was supposed to be really good for you. Did it promise you good skin? I don't remember. It was a long time ago. I was still living with my mommy. (laughs) So anyway, like on the finish, I was getting cough syrup. Oh. Like on the back of your throat. But I don't know if it's because I'm also a bit throaty. Like, I don't know if you... I like that there is something medicinal on the finish and very kind of barbecue-y, coley, like... I feel my tongue is coated on it. But returning to it now that it's been in the glass, it definitely still has that spice, but not so intense. And it's, it's, there's something sweetness. It almost feels thicker. The texture feels thicker and a bit more sugary. Your face is saying, <sighs> no thanks. <laughs> I feel that I'm being hit by waves of flavor. Yeah, like there's I'm, a lot of ashy, coley. Yeah. And ashy, coley. It feels very grown up. It, feels quite this is probably a sexist thing to say but it feels quite masculine flavors I feel I'm like oh I feel it's a wee bit too boyish and savory for me yeah it's quite uh bold I wasn't loving it at first I was like oh god spent all that money and you know the nose was nice but the palate and also because I've been a little bit ill like I've already kind of recovered but I'm still I was wondering like maybe did I have a covid or something because my 
I feel like my palate is not back to normal. I feel I need a wee bit of sweet sponge cake just to simmer me down, just to reassure <laughs> me that all's okay because those flavours are like, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. But I think that has been the glass. I'm liking it more, but it's not the Rasi that I know of. Is it not? It's not as good as the, the stuff that I've tried before. It's quite okay. oily actually in the glass and I'm looking at these droplets. They're very slow. I'm a little bit scared of it, Inca. Yeah, I think I'm going to keep sampling and yeah. see how it evolves like next time I try it and so on. But there's a lot going on. You've got to respect the complexity of those aromas and flavours, whether it's to your palate or not. Actually, it's giving me a little bit salmiaki or like that kind of Finnish Finnish savoury licorice. Oh, now. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels kind of heavy on there. It's probably a bit oily. So the next one is Doraveg, which the sample was sent to us by one of our lovely listeners from Germany. Thank you very much. That was super kind and lovely of you. I know. And how generous were the samples, like big bottles? Big ass bottles. You know, no scrimping there on the sampling. Yes. What's German for thank you? I can only say Bustenhalter, which means bra. Danke. Danke. This one is the second release in the Legacy series, Altklin, which is the name of the burn. What? Do you know, I've not heard the word burn <laughs> in ages and I love the word burn. For those of you that don't know, you've probably worked out, but it's like a kind of stream, a, a small like body of water, but it's used a lot in Scotland and it's super cute. They used uh, 80% first fill bourbon barrels and 20% refill whiskey barrels, 46% APV. Uh, so there's a little bit more peat added to complexity to, uh, compared to the 2017 release. So I have this is the first time I've tried any of Toravec, so I don't I don't. Have yeah, to me too. As far as I can remember, I do. I might have tried one in a kind of mixed tasting somewhere, but as far as I can recall, it's my first as well. Color was kind of straw. Urine I get color. straw. It's super pale, isn't it? Yeah, I was giving me the urine vibes again. Yeah very light but slightly very hydrated. light very hydrated urine yeah on the palate what were you getting well let's go nose first Inca. Also, <laughs> i'm all for being progressive and mixing things up but that's filthy <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> i got honeysuckle on the nose i was imagining a sunflower field i spent ages in the nose and then i thought oh egg custard tart filling and then I got a wave of citrus lemon peel and I've also written delicious on the nose oh my god I was noticing this when you said all that and I could get it all and originally when I tried it I was thinking some sort of flower what was it and honeysuckle was a good one mm. or like sunflower kind of seed, seed or field or something mm -hmm. but my first thing that i wrote down was peeling an orange on a beach like a bebel beach mm, very nice yeah and i was getting slightly fishy salty water as well but yes. now as i'm returning to it it's definitely sweeter and i can get some floral notes but also some seeds or nuts or something kind of like a oily like an oily nutty or seed smell i don't know I love it on the nose. Yeah, it's quite nice. Kind of perfumed, but not really. Yeah, slightly earthy. I don't know. How did you find the palette? I actually thought it tasted like the smell of barbecue coals and I found it much more worse. I found it like sour apples and quite a fiery ginger spice. So I was a wee bit, oh, 
you're not what I imagined you would be. Yeah, I agree. It's, it was weird. I was getting chewing gum at first, kind of minty chewing okay. gum. Salted peanuts and then maybe something like aniseed or fennel or something mm-hmm. like that. A little bit of citrus. But then it's funny that you mentioned the eggs because I was getting eggy on the finis. Ah. But like kind of like, you know, like a sulfur smell, but like as a taste. Yes. You know, when you go to like those uh, health resorts where they have all those pools that are kind of eggy. Yes. So that is interesting. I found it very like coal fire ash, very ashy, but also quite a citrusy lemony rind on the finish as well. And I must admit, I was very excited on the nose wasn't for me on the palate or the finish but I'm very much intrigued by it I don't know why I feel on the nose it's super alluring yeah I I wonder if um once it kind of has a little bit more age that it Mm. would evolve yeah I I felt I felt a little bit disappointed on the palate but um did you happen to try the sweeties that were sent to be paired with because well, I just got my nuts and I was going to try. Right. Well, I'm I'm going to be fully honest here. I've eaten half those sweets already. And when I was tasting this, I thought, oh, I think this is the jam. I'm to pair those with the sweets. And I actually thought I need the sweets, the gummy kind of beer sweets to balance that off. And I actually think I'll really enjoy that. And that'll go down really beautifully. So I think that's quite a smart pairing. Yeah, so, yeah, it was very nice to send the pairings. I got honey and salt almonds. From our listener, thanks. Yeah. Anka. But I can't open this bag. Come on, Anka, get ferocious. I can't. Use your strength. You work out. I just peeled it open and it's not opening. Oh, well, I'll try it afterwards. (laughs) We try and avoid munching noises as we record anyway, don't we? Okay, I'll try it later and report back. Any favourites or both kind of like, eh, or? Neither neither would be my go-to jams. I'm thinking maybe the Torvig slightly winning because I really enjoyed the nose. What about you? I really enjoyed the nose on the Rasi, actually. Mm-hmm. Like more, it's just you have to be patient and leave it in the glass for ages. I'm intrigued by the palette because at first I really didn't like it. But then over time, I'm like, mm, maybe there's something more. Mm-hmm. So I will definitely keep exploring. Toraveg, uh, just a bit. It's interesting. And I'm kind of intrigued by the distillery in the future. Yes. But it didn't like rock my boat. I don't feel we've had a party in our mouths today. No, I don't think so. Can't win them all. Whiskey Sisters, Whiskey Fact. So, lovely listeners, you may or may not have seen our pre-Halloween release video. Last year, we came off with a bang because we released The Lost Boys or The Lost Whiskey Sisters, a parody of the 1987 classic. But this year, we have gone one better in our opinion with The Silence of the Drams. If you have not seen it, please check it out on our social media channels and give us a message. Are you fans of the movie and what do you think of our interpretation? As it's the month of October, 
We have a ghostly story for you today. Yes, we do. I like that you did the sound, so I don't have to add any <laughs> extra, extra excuse yours. Before we go on to our spooky fact, is there anything you want to feed back about your part as Dr. Lecter? I was actually, in all honesty, I was a little bit scared of you. <laughs> was it the eyes? It, it actually was the eyes. I actually thought, oh, Inca's got killer potential and this part's unleashing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like a little bit of liver with my single malt. Okay. So, fact. Legend has it that the last wolf in Scotland was killed near the Tomaton distillery and now haunts the ground and the surrounding areas. The apparition is said to hunt its prey before transforming into a blue smoky cloud. It was once seen by a distillery worker who, after initially running away, felt compelled to touch the dog's fur. As he reached out his hand, the dog dissipated into a plume of ghostly smoke over the moorlands. In honour of the ghost, the distillery released a special bottling called Kuboggan, which means ghost dog in Gaelic. Now, I'm a believer in all things mystical, but I do think, see if you work in a whiskey distillery and you're feeling compelled to touch like ghost dogs fur and things are dissipating into a plume of smoke, I think maybe drams were drunk. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, the fumes were inhaled. For sure. But, you know, I'm going to go to a distillery next month, so I will report back. And I will try not to touch any fur. Watch out for the ghostly. If I don't come back, I will be ghostly smoke over a tomato distillery. That's it. it. Colourful smoke plumes. You've been listening to the Whiskey Sisters podcast. So next week we are finally bringing you Tomato Distillery, unless Ooh. it's been cursed and it will never record. Oh, dun, dun, dun. Please, please follow us on Instagram at whiskeysisters.podcast, on X, which is a new Twitter at Whiskey Sisters, and at Old Fashioned Facebook at Whiskey Sisters Podcast. Well, Inca, neither of our drams were particularly on fire, but may your glass be full. Yes, I'm going to go and fill it up with something else and have my tram <laughs> on fire. <laughs> See you later, chica. See ya.